everybody and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast. Today we're talking about mental health and well-being during COVID-19. Um, we have been um, kindly been um, funded by the National Lottery Community Fund to support the BAME community during COVID-19, uh, people who have got dyslexia and specific learning difficulties. And I'd like to say thank you to the National Lottery for the amazing um, funding that we got from yourselves to um, bring forefront this amazing topic, um, a topic that's very close to my heart, a topic that particularly in the um, BME community, um, something that's seen as a stigma, mental health. Um, when you've got dyslexia, this can be... Um, something that uh, you know you could have the dyslexia and the mental health um, together so for this reason i think it's really important that we're highlighting um dyslexia and mental health during um covid19 and what one can do about the the well-being of um um, having this condition. Uh, before we start, I'd like to welcome the amazing, awesome Dr. Heather Brobey, who's a psychologist, who we will be speaking to or having a conversation about how we should look after our mental health and what kind of strategies are there and what signs do we look out for if one feels like they may have mental health condition. Now, before I introduce her to come on the podcast, I'd like to read a little bit about Dr. Brobey. She's a psychologist based in London. Um, she's got MSc Forensic Mental Health um, uh, qualification. Uh, she's also got Masters. And um, she's the founder of Free Your Mind Psychological Services Limited. Um, Heather Brobert is an author, a worshipper, an advocate, a speaker, an online TV presenter, multi-award winner, mental health events organizer, a diaspora, Commonwealth community leader, international and nationally experienced in clinical and forensic field of mental health. Now, that was a bit of a mouthful, but I managed to do it. What an amazing, amazing lady you are. And I just want to say welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast, Dr. Brobey. Um, you know, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for coming on, on, on our own podcast um, show. Now, Dr. Brobey, before I start, I want to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and um, I know I've said a little bit but tell me a little bit more why you're passionate about um, uh, mental health and why you do the amazing work in the community I know you're really sort of um, you know you are the advocate for mental health particularly for the BME group I just want you to tell me a little bit about yourself and um, why you do the job you do Okay, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me. Thank you for all that you do at A2I Dyslexia. Very, very um, honoured to be on the, show, on the show today on the podcast. So thank you so much. And yes, um, yeah, I, I'm everything mental health. Like I'm the one that will annoy you every day, <laughs> you know, to always leave you with questions and thoughts about you know, why are you thinking the way you're thinking and why are you doing, you know, the things that you're doing? And in particular for the faith community and the BAME community, I think it's so important because we don't talk about it much. And when we do, um, we highlight the whole, um, it being the enemy or Satan or, 
you know, or madness, or, you know, we don't know the depth of how, if our health, if our mental health is affected, every area of our life is affected. So um, just growing up, having to um, go through certain things and um, not, we had we weren't raised in a psychological realm. You didn't know what psychology was. Um, you didn't know if you dealt with something, it was like keep it quiet. And we didn't know the effects of what keeping things quiet would do and how it would manifest in our behavior and how we, we were carrying this from generation to generation. So it's so important, you know, as you're as as you're listening to the conversation to all the to all the listeners just to really um want you to understand that your mental health is so important never ever feel that you don't have a mental health you know i think one of the things that a lot of the main community says is that mental health doesn't exist and then my response is always if mental health doesn't exist we would be robots because we have a mind we all have a mind and the health of our mind is determined by the thoughts that we internalize or suppress, and then it's manifested in our behavior. So, yeah. Wonderful. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for just that outline. Today's podcast will be phenomenal. I'm using that word again. I use that word every week. I think it's become my middle name now, phenomenal. I just love using it. Now, don't ask me to say <laughs> it because I won't be able to do that. Now, I just wanted to dive straight into the questions, Dr. Brobe, because um, this particular topic is really close to my heart. Now, we're talking about dyslexia and mental health. Um, however, the mental health in general is something that should really be discussed around the dining table. I think it should be. Um, perhaps from a very young age, you know, to, to, um, as we, we get older. So I just wanted to ask you the first question. What are some of the signs of mental illness? Okay, that's that's a great question. So I think um, when we th- when we talk about dyslexia and mental health, they are two different things. So we know that dyslexia is not a mental um, illness; it's not a mental condition. Um, so it's separate. So there's two different things. But when we talk about dyslexia and mental health, it's important because um, both of them manifest um, the mental. Um, issues, ment- mental conditions that, you know, um, people go through and just is walk around silently as if it's normal. So just to um, dive into what you've just asked me, you know, when we look at um, dyslexia overall, the mind, um, it, uh, sorry, the things that they go through, it triggers their mental he- health. So, it, and it worsens the, ment- the, the depressive symptoms or the anxiety symptoms. So overall, when we look at um, dyslexia, we know that they have short-term memory. I'm just going to summarize a few of the, 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 the things that, you know, and Liz, you, you, you can correct me. <laughs> you know, so we have short-term memory. Um, sometimes they forget a conversation, forget to do a task, um, miss um, important dates at times, um, struggle remembering names. Or places, um, they put their energy into blaming themselves. Um, they sometimes they hate themselves based on what they've had to grow up and to always, you know, fighting to be seen, fighting to be heard. Um, the fatigue, sometimes suicidal thoughts. That's the extreme level. Sometimes there is excessive sadness. Um, they develop coping mechanisms um, based on withdrawing from situations and withdrawing from doing things. So when we look at those symptoms within just dyslexia itself, um, 
that is a manifestation of depression and anxiety as well. So this is why it's important for us to speak about it because people are like, oh, I've got dyslexia and, and that's just enough. But the mind, everything is to do with the mind and it manifests in from the mind onto our behavior. So um, this is why it's important that with dyslex- dyslexics, people with dyslexia, um, as well as the educational intervention, which should be done in an early age, the mental health intervention has to be done as well where um you either go for therapy i think it's so important i think it should even be a must from childhood that people that um are tested early for dyslexia um have a counselor that is with them as well so that they grow up knowing who they are because with mental health the main attack is on the identity you know it, it makes you it doesn't make you manifest the fullness of who you are because you're constantly questioning yourself. You're constantly doing all these things that's, that's taking place. So when we look at the signs of um, mental illness, and I don't like to say mental illness because um, sometimes people wait for a diagnosis before they feel they have a mental, mental illness. Um, but each and every one of us have gone through some type of issue that would that manifests in a behavior. So when we look at the um, some of them is having trouble sleeping, being irritable, not able to be still. So they're always fidgeting, um, talking very slow than normal, um, change of appetite. So it could be increased appetite or very low appetite. Um, de- very debilitating. So the things that you used to do before, you don't do them anymore. Or um, you'll do things that you, you force yourself to do things um, than before. You have very high mood swings, anxiety, which is very high in those with dyslexia, and very always feeling overwhelmed, um, suicidal, um, to the extreme hallucinatory thoughts. Um, you can't do your normal activities as how you used to. You're excessively um, guilty and full of shame. You can't focus or make decisions feeling very exhausted, um, loss of interest. So these are some of the symptoms that we see um, in depression most of all. Um, but also in anxiety, we know that there's different types of anxiety which can come up to panic disorder where you know there's excessive amount of fear, always um, feeling that you're in, um, um, your, your, your mind is constantly telling you that you're under threat. So you're always on the flight and fight defense mechanism, always, you know, having to um, live through coping mechanisms as opposed to who you are as a person. Um, you know, sometimes you have irrational fear of scenarios, certain you predict that certain things are going to take place, which um, 99% of the case, it doesn't usually happen. So these are the things that take place. Um, you know, also check your beliefs. If you're always telling yourself, I'm unworthy, I'm not needed, I'm not seen, I'm incapable of doing things, then you start to develop, um, you know, um, behaviors and rules that you live by. For example, you start to be very self-critical. You develop a self um, a perfectionism kind of mindset where you, you know you're never able to finish off a task unless it's perfect, and that perfectionism you never reach. So therefore, you're never able to complete a task anyway. You know you spend too much time striving to um, do things on behalf of people, so you're always living through people um, and not of your own. Um, you, you're not able to say no at times, um, and when you do say no, you feel very guilty. Um, you're ne- sometimes not able to admit your faults or mistakes. Um, 
and afraid of disappointing people. And just because of that fear of disappointing people, you step back or you just refuse to commit to certain things in order not to um, affect people. So these are some of the, the signs um, that we may go, we, it may seem normal because I, I, I know that with some of us, we say, oh, that's my personality. Um, that's something that I do anyway, you know. Um, I, I like to help people. I like to make people happy or I like to just do one task at a time. But sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is that a dysfunctional behavior that you've been learnt either through, you know, tradition, through culture, through faith? What, how is it that you have learned that behavior? And when you check the root and you realize that this is something that I learnt because of this, it could be because of the lack of approval from, um, from very early, age you know even someone just saying you know insulting you for being a dyslexic at school maybe being bullied start to develop some coping mechanisms to um, put you on guard which means that you're never able to stay in relationships for long um, romantic relationships as well as friendships you can't go into depth you know you can't have intimacy with friends or um, romantic relationships because you always have a guard over yourself to say no one's going to hurt me, no one's going to do anything like that. You know, that you have that increased sense of anxiety once again. You feel trapped. Sometimes people go into substance misuse um, with alcohol or drugs. Um, feeling like you are a burden all the time. Um, um, sometimes wanting to die, you know, making plans to die, even though you may not always go through it through with what you the plans you've made. Um, the mood swings, you know, increased isolation because in your mind you're saying that you don't want to be a bother to anyone, or you've had situations from school because everything starts from childhood, or even in the home where you felt like you know there was sibling rivalry, and you know um, you were probably neglected or laughed at or compared, and therefore when you are going through situations in life you you always have that tendency to compare yourself to other people especially as we're in the social media kind of um world you know you're always looking to see is this person better than me or are they doing better than me why aren't i here why aren't i there so these are the, some of the things you know check your belief system check what you're internalizing check what you're living by check what your you say what your personality is is it really a personality or is it dysfunction you know and i'm just going to go through these just very brief um, thought patterns that you may have and you don't realize that you have. Um, and then you can check that a bit later. But I always do say that if you know that you, um, um, what I am saying, it's excessive, um, it's, is paralyzing you, this is where you go and seek counseling. You know, it's, it's, even if it's a child, even if you're a youth, you know, even if you're seen, if you, even if it's a toddler, you know, as young as they are, you can see certain traits that are starting to develop. Don't ignore those signs. Get early intervention. So by the time they're um, older, they can stand on their own and be true to who they are. So I'm just going to go through these patterns. And um, one of the patterns are all or nothing thinking patterns. So you're seeing things in black and white. Anything short of perfection is failure. Over generalization seeing a single negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. So instead of saying, I didn't get that job, you know, you'll say, I'll never get that job. 
you know, if your last relationship failed, you will say all, all my relationships fell, so I don't need to be in any relationship at all. Um, if a person has betrayed you in the past, you will say that all people hurt me, which means that you, you start to become very isolated. Um, if your teacher said you would never amount to anything, you would never try new things. So you say all people in leadership um, um, put me down, even if it was that one teacher. Um, so which makes you also become rebellious. You don't want to, you don't have a teachable spirit because you've placed um, guards or walls upon your life as well. A mental filter thinking pattern, which is you're dwelling on a single detail that colors all reality. So you're always disqualifying the positive to sustain negative beliefs. You're always looking for evidence of negative beliefs that will, um, and anything that contradicts that negative belief, you don't even acknowledge it. Jumping into conclusions, so making negative conclusions that are not supported by facts. So you're always seeing the end from the beginning. You don't allow yourself to be processed by a situation because you've already determined the end of a thing that it will never amount to anything. Um, mind reading, concluding that people are acting negatively to you all the time. You know, fortune telling, always anticipating things will turn out bad. Magnification, exaggerating the importance of things. Minimization, inappropriately reducing the value of things or the qualities of others, because obviously when you have a broken perspective of yourself, you're not able to see um, um, people from a healthy perspective as well. Um, personalization, seeing self um, through events that have happened in your life. Um, should statements, motivating yourself with shoulds and should nots, which results in guilt and anger. Emotional reasoning, assuming negative emotions reflect the way things really are. So the mind is always looking to, um, to see those things that you, you have engrossed in your mind. It, it won't look for anything else. So sometimes like, oh, when it's a good day, you know, things will be okay. No, your mind will always look for that in which you have t- internalized. And whatever you suppress and whatever you deny and whatever you pretend is not um, there, it is always very active in our lives. So it's important that we deal with the roots of the issues. If you see yourself to always be angry, always irritable, always frustrated, if you if someone is arguing with you and all you're seeing is your mom or your dad or the teacher or your, your sister, your brother from the past, then ask yourself, you know, do I need to go to therapy? Do I need to deal with these thoughts that keep coming up over and over and over again? Because it does affect your self-worth. Um, and, and especially as you're carrying the stigma already of dyslexia, and then there's another stigma of my, mental health, you know, then um, the two together, it does cause frustration. So, wow. yeah. That is so awesome. Do you know, I could, I could just listen to you all evening it's evening in, in the uk by the way and um, if anybody's listening that is so powerful do you know what i never really thought about anything you were saying well as you were speaking i thought oh my goodness i think i've been through a lot of these things that you're talking about to be honest and um, dr dr brobey yeah. and um <laughs> i still go through some of them now and you know and, and i know the last time we spoke i did say that there's a lot of stuff that i was going through and I needed to go for counselling mm. and I did I did definitely did the talking therapies and, and it did help mm-hmm. me so thank you so much for that Dr. Brobey I'm just gonna ask a very quick question on the second question now so I think you've kind of covered a little bit of it but I wanted to ask how do we look after our mental health especially 
from the BME community. You might have already covered that in everything you've said. And if you have, mm. then I will move on to the next question. Do you think you might have covered that? I think you might have kind of told us, you know, what the telltale signs are. But how do we mm. look after our mental health, particularly mm. from the BME community? Because I know there's a huge stigma. There's a huge stigma yes. to do with mental health. And then there's a huge yeah. stigma having dyslexia. So if you've got dyslexia mm-hmm. and you've got mental health as well, uh, and that's like double trouble, so to speak. Yes. How do we look after? How do we look after our, our mental health? Mm. Okay, so the first things first, especially for the, for the BMA community, is to recognize that you are going through something internally. You know, um, we we would never ever be who we supposed to be if we pretend something up there. So the first thing I always say is acknowledge. You can never heal from something you don't acknowledge is there. Um, you can't go forward from something that you believe is truth. So you have to acknowledge that there's been a lie that's been laced into your identity, whether through culture, again, whether through tradition, whatever it is, um, understand that recognition is needed. Um, without justification, without anything, because remember, it's your responsibility to heal. Whatever happened to you, whatever was stated to you, whatever you know, people ignored. You know, there is help out there. So just acknowledge that you are going through something. That's number one. The number two, I would say, know your flaws and strengths. Acknowledge both your flaws and your strengths. We are we were made and created to be relational. And I think we've grown in a society that is very individualistic. You know, I I can do things on my own. The things I can't do, I'll leave it. But if we understand that we're not we were not called to do everything you know, then we understand that it's okay for me to be vulnerable enough to say, I can't do this, you know, and then you, and, 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 and utilize the things that I can do and then have a community around me that can um, complement the things um, that I, I can't actually give on my own. So, so that's the third one where, you know, have a community around you that you can be vulnerable around, transparent and also is a safe place that they would not be judgmental of what you're going through. Um, sometimes they may not understand, but at least have someone that is there or people that are there that you can speak to that will let you just release. You know, not everybody can go to therapy, but some people will need, everybody needs that safe place that they can go to and run to, to say, I need, you know, I need support in this way. I just need you to listen, you know, so ask yourself, do I have people that listen to me without judgment, without broadcasting it everywhere, you know, um, um, without looking at me funny afterwards. And also that can just also lead me in the right direction as well. Give me wise knowledge um, and forward. Um, speak. Don't be afraid to speak. You know, sometimes we are carrying so many lies and the moment we speak, we realize, oh my gosh, actually I've been doing this and I've been thinking it's normal, but actually it's not normal. So the more you speak, you will realize that a lot of people are going or have gone through um, something similar to you and they can provide you with certain tips that have helped them, but also you, it can allow you to look at yourself. You know, um, when other people go through something, they can also, uh, uh, it can give you that mirror to see, oh my gosh, okay, cool. So this is something I have been internalizing, normalizing, um, and it's something I need to unlearn, to relearn, and then to seal what I've relearned and make sure when you're relearning, relearn the right thing. Because sometimes we unlearn something and then we relearn another new 
thing that will keep us bound back to the same place or to keep us in the same narrative that it was before. So speak, when we talk about self-care, think about it in terms of, of internally. People will say, go to the gym, go, you know, go for a swim, go for this, go for that. But I always say that that's good but it doesn't help you internally. It will help you for a few days and it will take you back to the same level. So when I talk about self-care, I always talk about, think about your thoughts. Always ask yourself, what am I thinking about? Don't only do it for the good thoughts, do it for the, for the negative thoughts as well. Um, and one of the myths um, that I really want us to work through as well is that when we talk about m- good mental health, we're not saying that you will never get a bad thought. So that's a myth because when people think about good mental health, they think, okay, it's only good thoughts. When I get a negative thought, I need to just speak, speak life over it, you know, for the Christian community or faith community they would say, um, you know, let me use scripture or some things like that to, to replace those positive, those negative thoughts. But it's okay. Every, every negative thought is always telling us something, something about self. Some, and it's all, it can also be a warning signal for us because when we have fear, when we have anxiety, when we have um, frustration, when we're irritable, these things are giving us information of what is happening around us and how we are feeling about what is happening around us. And then for us, when we um, are self-aware, we can understand, is this how I'm responding? Is it based on what is happening presently or is it based on happening or is it based on what has happened in the past so again think about why you are thinking about those those things because an absence of thought uh, absence of speech is a is a presence of thought so always think about it why am i thinking the way i'm thinking recognize those 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 thoughts um know that self-care is not about product productivity but it's actually telling you that you are more than productivity even in your stillness, you are still caring for yourself. Even a form of resting is self-care, you know. So don't think that um, self-care is to be productive, to go to a restaurant, to go and do my nails, to go and do my hair. Those are good things, but think about internally, you know, what is good for me? What boundaries do I need to put in place in order to protect who I am? Boundaries are aimed to protect us, not to build walls or fences. So what is it in me that I'm allowing to come in and out that's disturbing who I am, that's disturbing my peace, that keeps taking away um, the drive and the motivation for me to do things? Um, letting go. You know, when we talk about letting go, we think about, oh, let's just put that friendship aside or let's just put that label aside. But letting go is actually um, 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 addressing what has caused us to be very bitter, very resentful, very annoyed, you know, and then we can, um, the more that we address it, we can see that, okay, I no longer react the way I used to react. So every, every week, I would say, evaluate how you respond to things. Write them down. If you get any type of um, emotion, if you get in any type of emotion, it can be a good emotion, a bad emotion, jot them down on a daily basis and see your patterns because sometimes you may not understand or um, see what you've been thinking about. But, you know, we have definitely been, um, but, 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 but when you see the root of, when you see the fruit of a thing, it will direct you to the, to the root. Wonderful. Excellent. That's so amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Brober, for that. Um, and there's so much tips that we could really take away from that. Um, it's so great. It's so amazing that I'm actually, I'm sitting here like with my jaw dropped thinking, wow, um, what, what a wonderful piece of information. You know, you're really telling us a lot about our mental health. And I think it's really, really interesting that 
um, we're talking about BME groups and, 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 and um, mental health. How can some dyslexic control excessive fear and worries, particularly during COVID-19? Okay, so again, that's um, very important. Always have a diary with you. You know, for me, I always say, have a diary beside you and jot down everything, even the good things. So one of the things I would say is make, make space for fear and worry. Make space for them. They're not bad thoughts. They're not evil thoughts. You know, make space for them and understand why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Um, it's not, and, and understand that if you're not controlling or managing your worries and your fears, it controls you. So what you don't deal with will deal with you. So identify what situations bring about your fear and your worry and how it makes you feel. Write them down. Um, and what were your predictions about, you know, that thing that you're worried about or fearful about and how did it come about? How did those predictions come about and, and, and jot them down. And then when you face it again, see if what you predicted actually did take place. Expose yourself to situations that trigger fear and worry. Sometimes we try to avoid and escape certain situations, but always, always expose yourself to those situations. Challenge the validity of fears. Um, always ask yourself, what lens are you looking at from a situation? Um, if you conceal your weakness, you'll project it onto other people. If you don't love your own flaws, you can't love other people. Amen. You can't love what, you know, you can't love other people. You can't see from a lens of um, love. So always ask yourself, at what lens am I looking at this situation? Is it from self-sabotaging? Is it condemning? Is it condemnation? Is it being self-critical? Is it being judgmental? What lens am I looking at? from it for um don't talk yourself into being less afraid just do it afraid <laughs> um don't wait to step into a fearful situation before you build yourself up so sometimes especially even with mindfulness you know we want to be breathing um breathing up and down and you know doing it when we're in the midst of an anxious situation going through a panic attack but with mindfulness Practice your breathing every single day. Even when you don't face the threatening situation, practice it every day. Affirm yourself daily. Don't wait for something negative to take place before you try to find something to affirm you. Affirm yourself on a daily basis and just, to, just describe your values, your core beliefs, who you say you are, not what other people say you are, who you say you are, and remind yourself of that on a daily basis. Um, what fears have you had in the past and what was the outcome? Again, you know, 99% of the things that we fear about are fearful about. It usually doesn't happen. Um, develop um, a, a, a rating scale for the things that you are fearful about. So jot them down. You know, for example, if it's going on a date, going out with friends, speaking um, in team meetings, telling people your ideas, starting a, long, starting a project. Um, flying, you know, traveling and stuff like that, whatever it is, rate it down, rate it from one to 10 and adjust it so far, so, so as it is. Um, doing something one at a time. Make sure you, when you're getting things done, break them down into small tasks, set goals um, in a day, do it on a daily basis. And when you do um, complete those tasks, reward yourself um, of those tasks, checking with your emotions daily. 
check in with your emotions daily. You know, check whether you are following your basic needs. Do Am I sleeping well? Am I resting well? Am I eating well? Am I having enough exercise? Remember why you are doing the things that you're doing and order your tasks in terms of priority all the time. Um, don't escape. The first thing you would want to do is avoid. And every time you run away from a situation, you will um, you are reinforcing and rewarding that avoidance behavior. So don't escape. Learn from your mistakes and start again. Um, encourage yourself all the time before a task, after a task, during a task. Remind yourself. Test your predictions. Um, um, dis- Check your core beliefs. Write a letter to yourself if you have to um, so that anytime you go through a situation where it's negative or makes you feel worried, makes you feel fearful, you read that letter so it reminds you of the things that you've overcome in the past. Redirect your thoughts all the time. You know, where it's wondering, check it. Check it all the time. You know, check the safety behaviors that you've you've um, lived by, which is avoidance, escapism, um, subtle avoidance as well, relying on alcohol to avoid social situations, um, asking mm-hmm. questions so that people don't, um, people don't ask you questions or want to know about you, you know, the excessive rehearsing, um, certain um, rehearsing speech and behavior so that when you, you do go into a setting that it kind of calms you down. So whatever your safety behaviors that you have, you know, check those behaviors as well so that it doesn't become something that you live through. So Dr. Probe, just one other question. It's really, it's something I've always been interested in and I think you're probably the best person to, to answer this for me. What are the triggers of mental health and mental illness? Okay, so just to um, make that clear is that um, mental health and mental illness, we know that it's it's two distinct things, as we said in the beginning. Um, The triggers are the same, but the responses are different. So when you when you respond in a place of mental health, when you're health when you're quite healthy, you're self aware, you're very intentional, um, you're addressing and dealing with the roots of um, situations that you have dealt with and going through. We know that healing is not a destination, it's an ongoing of unlearning to relearn, to unlearn to relearn. So it it never stops. Um, So um, triggers are the same. So I'm going to go through the triggers um, so that um, you as a listener, if this is something with you, you know, you can also reach out to to anyone, any of the professionals, um, in, in needed. So um, we know that triggers are invitation for healing. So every time you're triggered by something, it's telling you this a part of you has not been healed or a part of you, it still needs to be, um, there's still an addressing that needs to take place. Um, and it also shows you that um, there are other people, it also shows you other people's needs that have not been met as well. So it's um, vice versa. So um, to identify an internal trigger, you look at your thoughts, you look at your feelings, physical sensations, memories, um, negative self-talk, the expectations that you put on others and yourself. And um, it comes in the form of flashbacks and perceptions. Um, and then the external triggers are could c- come from people, um, places, things, interactions, conflict, sounds, smells, change whether in an environment or in jobs and finances so always ask yourself these questions what triggered me did i feel trapped did i feel stressed did i feel lonely did i feel worn out um what did i fear missing out in something was i bored was i anxious was i feeling shameful or guilty 
did I feel like I was letting other people down? Um, what is this trigger reminding me of? Where is it bringing me back to? Who is it that I'm hearing? Every time I see a trigger or hear a trigger or smell a trigger, who am I hearing or what is it reminding me of? What are my thoughts telling me about that trigger? How am I feeling in the present? And where do I feel it in my body? How intense are your feelings from one to 10? So again, rate those emotions. Um, what safe person can I share these things with? Um, what are those feelings and triggers trying to communicate to myself? Um, have you fallen back to your addictions? And when we talk about addictions, it's not only substance misuse, but it's also addiction to, um, to, addiction to be accepted, addiction to be wanted, addiction to be seen. You know, these are the type of addictions that tries to fill a void of something that we are trying to run away. Again, using that avoidance behavior. Um, am I becoming defensive? Am I used to um, going? Am I using distractive techniques to hide those triggers that are taking place? Um, what habit have I gone back to when that trigger has occurred? And what am I avoiding? Um, um, am I anticipating failure? So anytime a trigger comes, am I anticipating failure? Um, are your predictions based on? past or present so anytime you're facing a trigger when um, when you're looking at the end of that trigger what is it saying is it negative or positive um are you constantly um questioning and judging yourself so these are some of the questions that is good for you to go into to see um how is it affecting me don't ignore it. Sometimes those triggers will come out in aggression. It will come out in withdrawal. It will come out in questioning yourself, low self-esteem. It will come out in phobias. It will come out in mood dysfunctions. It will come up in anger outbursts, um, avoidance behavior once again. But just always check. Sometimes you don't even realize that you've been triggered, but it will show up in your external interaction. So always check what's happening within. Always check what's happening within. And then you can check the fruit of what is happening within to your behaviors, interactions, and um, decisions. Wonderful. Oh, that's so amazing. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Um, Dr. Brobe. Um, do you know what? There's so much to take away because um, something I've never really looked into, but as you were speaking to me, I'm like, yes, okay, I get all that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of dyslexics listening at the moment could probably identify with, with what you're saying. That's very, very useful information that you shared with us. Last but not least, the last question I've got, what are the statistics of BME um, men, particularly, with mental health um, conditions or issues. What are the stats out there? And women. Okay. I mean, we can answer yeah. the men and the women. Yeah, so I think yeah. overall, I think, and it's just so important, and I'm so glad you asked this question because it's so hard to find statistics um, with the BME um, community. Um, we, as black people and even Asian people, um, especially Chinese people, because there's not really statistics about them at all, we don't talk about our situations. We say whatever happens at home stays at home. That is the culture that we have grown up in. Or go and get deliverance or go and, you know, speak to an elder. They've gone through this and that. And we, we, we take on the word of other people, but we don't go to um, a therapist. We have not yet normalized that Therapy is not just when you have a breakdown. It can be just a checkup, just like we go for a dental checkup, a financial checkup, you know, a, um, a health checkup. You know, do this with your mental health because a lot of us, you know, black people, 
we don't go to the doctor to say I have I have depressive symptoms, you know, um, we don't do it. And this is why most people end up just being very suicidal and then just commit suicide. So just other stats that I've been able to, um, to see, um, it's, it's stated that black men are more likely to experience a psychotic disorder than their Caucasian counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, the risk of psychosis in black Caribbean groups was estimated to be seven times higher than um, the Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, suicide rates were higher in young men of Black African, Caribbean, and middle-aged Black African and South Asian women than the other, um, other um, BME groups. And the Indian and the Pakistani says that they have high levels of mental well-being. So their well-being, again, so just to say well-being is mental health, it's just the well-being of your mind. So the statistics show that um, Indians and Pakistanis, their well-being was very high compared to the Blacks, Caribbean, Africans, and Asians, especially the South Asian women. Um, and then it also states that, but it also states that suicidal thoughts were more common in South Asian women than any other um, of the of the counterparts. You know, are white or Caucasian um, counterparts. So that, those are the statistics I was able to find that um, um, statistics show that the Black Caribbean and the Black African, they were less likely than any other um, community to go to the doctors when they knew they were manifesting symptoms of depression or anxiety or even personality disorder. They were less likely. Mm-hmm. That was probably like about 15% or so compared to the rest. So it's, it highlights a very red, big red flag that we are still very, very much going through this stigma of we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to be seen as weak or, you know, and, or we just feel like we don't want to be judged. And so this is where we carry stuff that we're not supposed to be carrying. Exactly. How do we move forward, Dr. Robey? What's the last word you can leave with us on a very positive note? How do we move forward? I'll just say vulnerability is strength. That's what I have to say. Transparency is strength. Never ever feel that you are below. Never ever feel that you are beneath. You know, always, always understand that your self-worth is not based on what you do, but it's in who you are. So don't allow anything to define you. You have dyslexia. It doesn't mean you're silly. It doesn't mean you're dumb. It doesn't mean that you're worthless. It doesn't mean that you cannot, you know, have, and you don't deserve anything good. Those things are lies that are laced into your identity. So I'll just say, don't define yourself by any external circumstance allow those things to be used for your good because you are powerful all by yourself don't try to be an imposter don't try to be anybody else be yourself and soar in who you are the right people will accept you and see you for who you are but i would say that if you're going through something don't stay silent because abuse thrives in silence don't stay silent reach out to someone it may not be a therapy start slowly get um you know find a a safe place in a person one person at a time and then slowly slowly you know when you feel that you know it's very unbearable then definitely please do reach out to a doctor who will refer you to um a psychologist thank you dr Broby. what an amazing amazing lady 
you are, honestly, a psychologist who is doing amazing work within the BME community, as well as um, uh, she's a psychologist and um, she's doing such a great work. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Robey, for coming on A2I Dyslexia podcast and um, sharing all this information with us. It's just so phenomenal to take all this information away. Um, and later on, obviously, during the program or at the end of the program, we will share all your different um, social media handles in the caption. And um, we hope that people can tap into your services because you're doing such an amazing work. Thank you so much for taking part in A2I Dyslexia podcast. And we want to thank our listeners for tuning in today thank you very much see you next week same time same place with different topic thank you dr brobey look after yourself thanks for having me bye bye for now the aspire to inspire dyslexia podcast is sponsored by the national lottery community fund hosted by elizabeth tashi produced by alex o consulting